This episode of Energy Matters is sponsored by Arnold Golden and Gregory. Welcome to Energy Matters, a show about how you can save money on your utility bills, use technology wisely, and live a more sustainable lifestyle. Here's your host, veteran energy regulator and clean energy expert, Commissioner Tim Eccles. Thank you, Scott Slade, and it is a great day to be saving energy and money and learning about technology. No matter where you're at in the U.S., uh, but especially here in Georgia, we want to help you learn how to save money, how to use technology, and be more sustainable. In the studio with me, as always, my co-host, John Noel, former state representative and energy guru. How's it going, John? Oh, yes. Fine yeah. and dandy. Yeah, great to, great to be back and talking about ways to help folks. Uh, we, you know, the last couple of times, John, we've been talking about folks being able to get some continuing education credits just by listening to our show. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well, it, it's going to happen again today because John McFarlane, our guest, is a expert in the field of commercial uh, building uh, and 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 optimizing energy, and I think we're going to enjoy listening to him, John. Uh, not to be controversial, but oh, I, I'm sure not. You know certainly. this whole thing about commercial buildings. Mm. It was embedded in this Green New Deal that AOC came out with, uh, and a lot of folks may have had mm. a chance to take a look at it. I had an op-ed in the Atlanta Business Chronicle about it because you couldn't help yourself. Well, I, you know, it's just I, I just didn't feel like it was good for. Georgia, and it wasn't good for the U.S., but mm. part of it uh, had had to do with refitting commercial buildings, mm. and I certainly am a fan of upgrading these buildings, and we're going to talk about that today. So, John McFarland, welcome. Yeah, thanks for, thanks for having me. Happy you, to be here. You grew up in Decatur, went to Druid Hills High School. That's right. And then what made you want to go off to New York to go to college? New York City? Yeah, well, I had a, had a choice of either there or Georgia Tech. And uh, having grown up in Atlanta, I figured, well, let me try someplace new and uh, went up there for four years, uh, got very cold, and then came back to Atlanta where I could warm back up. Yeah, so Rensselaer, I mean, it's, a, it's, it's not going to be a common name for our listeners. Tell us a little bit about that school. It's, it's, it's a private uh, engineering school, predominantly engineering science school, um, much like Georgia Tech, uh, just a whole lot smaller. We only had about 5,000 students at, at RPI versus you know, about 15,000 at Georgia Tech. So commercial buildings, that's one of, one of the things you focus on. I mean, how important is it, do you think, for us to be able to do these retrofits, build buildings that, that are to a higher standard in order to really meet some of these clean energy goals that various people have? I, I think it's critical. Commercial buildings account for about 30% of the nation's energy use overall. 30% is transportation, 30% is industrial, and the other 30% is, about, is in the commercial. So they're a, they're a big player uh, in that. And there are more existing buildings uh, than there are new buildings being built. So really focusing on the existing buildings and getting them to perform as well as they can is, is very important. You know, when I read the Green New Deal for the first time, particularly the piece about about it didn't say tear down existing buildings, but that's kind of how I took that. I, and I just immediately thought about the waste involved with that. And, and we've had guests in the studio before that have talked about having zero waste out of construction and the difficulty of managing that, overseeing that. And so, I mean, just let's just take this area of waste in terms of building something. I mean, what's it going to take for us to be able to get to a place where we are recycling construction material just that alone well actually i'm really glad you brought that up i'm involved in a nonprofit in it um, that's based in atlanta called life cycle building center um your your listeners could look it up lifecyclebuildingcenter.org whose primary mission is to take building materials salvage building materials from either buildings being demolished or materials that just are not used anymore get them back into the retail market at a much reduced cost. Um, the other thing they do is they'll donate these materials to other nonprofits and churches uh, at no cost whatsoever to allow them to do whatever project they have um, with the money that they've got available. So you're saying as places renovate and they're going to take out windows to put in new windows or take out doors, put in new doors, those windows and doors might still be good. And so Correct. They can repurpose right. them. Yeah. Cabinets. Yeah. Yeah, they take out. They, they're replacing. They're they're upgrading their kitchen. Right. They'll go in. They'll take all the cabinets, and then another another homeowner can come in and use those cabinets in their project. Life in the cycle building are, center in Atlanta. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So one of the projects you're working on is children's health care. 
of Atlanta. And tell us a little bit about the sustainability goals for that particular building. Uh, so it's, it's more than one building. They're building a, a, a whole campus, a whole medical campus. Um, and they're actually partnered with Lifecycle Building Center because as part of their project, they're, they're having to take down buildings that are, that are old, that are just they don't serve the purpose that they need them to. So Lifecycle Building Center actually has come in and salvaged the building materials ahead of the, the demolition of those buildings, mm. gotten them back into the marketplace, um, and that's helped Lifecycle Building Center. It's helped Children's Healthcare. It's really kept those things out of the landfill. Um, Children's has a lot of goals from a standpoint of this campus on the sustainability side. They're looking at LEED as a rating system. They're, they're certifying most of their buildings. They're focused on recycling as much of the demolition waste as they can. I'm testing my own memory here. LEED stands for Leadership and Energy and Environmental Design. You got it, John. Nailed it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, we've had, uh, we've had Rexon from uh, uh, Jones yeah. uh, JLL. Uh, do you know what that stands for, John? No. J-L-L? Uh, nope. Yeah. Jones Lang LaSalle. There we go. We had, we Rex had a good Rex friend of mine. and he talked about all the stuff that they were doing. And mm. you know what I came away with, John, just just how conscientious someone like Rex and, and the John McFarlane in our studio has to be in order to really be able to make sure that these things are being built, you know, to, to that standard. I mean, you're in a way, you're problem solving for uh, children's health care right as yeah. they try to accomplish a sustainability goal yeah we're trying to find the the, the path that fits with their mission um, that fits and the mission is their their mission to, to be a healthcare provider to to encourage health in the community fits within their budget because we all have constraints on our budget nobody has an, an unlimited pocketbook um, and fits with the program of, of the facility so we have to find the right balance of all of those um, and be as sustainable as we can in doing what we're doing. So that's a new construction, right? That's so new construction. They're doing new construction, but a whole other facet of what you do, and as you quite properly point out, a whole other facet of this larger bunch of properties is all the existing buildings. Right. And so what I've been fascinated about what you do, that I don't know a lot of people that do, is they go back in and they say, well, this building's old, and it's supposed to be fancy. It's only five, ten years old. But it, but but the air conditioner isn't running up to speed. It's been commissioned when it was turned on, but it's not operating that way now, or we don't know how it's operating. Tell us about how commissioning works. First, let me tell you what. Let me define commissioning for for the for the for the listeners. Yes. Um, so commissioning comes from the term navy navy term for commissioning a ship. Test all the systems on the ship before it goes out for on its mission. So we've taken that term commissioning and applied that to the buildings. Buildings are complicated, and our buildings and our homes are getting more and more complicated, the smart, the smart homes. So those systems need to be tested, need to be verified that they work correctly. So that, in a nutshell, is commissioning. It's a quality assurance process to make sure the building as a, as a whole functions the way it's supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you think about the insulation that I recently had put in my house by one of our sponsors, Row Insulating Company, they – they analyzed my problem. Uh, they came in and they did the fix, but then Jackson EMC came in and I guess commissioned it and basically said, you know what, this is what we wanted you to do. We're, we're looking at this. This is exactly what was supposed to be done. Now we're going to put you on a new rate. Now we're going to give you a rebate because you've, you've done, uh, you've done it up to the specifications we've required. Right. Yeah, they verified that the insulation was installed correctly in the right places at the right levels. So that's that's a form of that's a part of commissioning. Tell us about some of the particular features of some of the buildings that you're working on that you're very proud of. You know, um, that's a that's a good question. There's a lot there's a lot of aspects to it. You know, one of the ones I think is an interesting thing that's coming out now more and more is a focus on the the health of the occupants and their their satisfaction when they're in their where they're in the building. And we're seeing some things that are pretty, pretty innovative in current technology that we probably did a long time ago. One is these, mon- they call them monumental stairs. Rather than put the stairs in the building in the middle of the building where it's, you know, you're, you have no windows, you're dark, nobody really wants to walk those stairs. Mm. They're moving the stairs to the outside, to the exterior. So the, the stairs have a window all the way up. It's a stair tower. Um, to really encourage people, rather than take the elevator up three floors, take the stairs. Take the stairs because it's a great view, it's a great feeling, and you get a little bit of health out of it, and you save energy 
because you're not running the elevator. Yeah, that's a great idea. And I know the state health care program that I'm on, we have a health coach. And I talk to this health coach every couple of months. And they ask me about my steps and about the, the exercise that I'm doing associated with work. So sometimes I do just take the stairs uh, at the office. But I've never really thought about making that an experience right. or or enjoying that. It was really more just a practical thing. But I could see if you have in mind a better experience where folks actually are actually exercising, say, in the stairwell, right. maybe that will make a difference in the health of the, of the folks working there. Yeah, and it creates opportunities for interaction. You're walking up the stairs, you're, you're walking with somebody, you're past them, past them going up or down. You don't pass somebody going down on the elevator when someone's coming up the other elevator. How about mm-hmm. lighting or HVAC for children's health care? So they focused, uh, they're 100% LED uh, lighting. All of the lights, all of the lamps in... Uh, in the in the buildings will be LED. Um, that's for two reasons. One is the energy side. The other is mercury. They're mm-hmm. they're avoiding the mercury that's in fluorescent uh, lights. So you know mercury is not good for our health, and so they're getting that out of the uh, out of the waste stream, out of the product stream. Um, and, and the price of LEDs has come down so dramatically. I mean, it, it, there's there's a lot of economics to it. Right. Mm-hmm. And and children's is a long. I mean, they're going to be in these buildings for a long time. So so those lamps are going to be there for a long time. So. LED, uh, they've also, they're focusing a lot on, on the HVAC. They're as efficient as they can. They're, they're using um, chillers that are the most efficient in the market today, uh, frictionless chillers. Uh, so they, they, frictionless. these things operate, you know, at, a, at an efficiency ratio that is far superior than the things that we had even five years ago. Five let's years do this. Wow. Let's, uh, John, let's keep John McFarlane over another segment. Let's yeah. talk a little bit more about sustainability and commercial buildings and how that can work for our listeners and maybe where they're working. I'm Tim Eccles, and you're listening to Energy Matters. The electric car revolution is coming, and the choices are growing. Gem cars are everywhere. You've seen these low-speed electric vehicles on college campuses, downtown Atlanta streets, and resort islands like St. Simons and Jekyll. Gem cars are street legal, equipped with seatbelts, headlights, and a tag, and can operate on roads with speed limits of 35 miles per hour or less. If you want to know more about these electric cars and trucks, six-passenger shuttles, mobile repair service, or full vehicle wraps, go to GemCarService.com. That's G-E-M, CarService.com. John, one of our sponsors for the show, Row Insulating Company, is doing a great job in and around Athens, being able to do a lot of what we talk about every single week on the show. You get, every time it gets cold, every time it gets hot, it's always a, it's always that attic that's the problem. And uh, you can attack windows, and that's going to cost you a cold fortune. It is insulation that can solve the problem. Hey, if you want to get this fixed, call 706-795-2854. That's 706-795-2854. Row Insulating Company. Row. Support for Energy Matters comes from Arnold, Golden, and Gregory. AGG takes a business sensibility approach when advising clients. AGG provides industry knowledge, transparency, and value to help businesses and individuals achieve their definition of success. AGG subscribes to the belief, not if, but how. We appreciate their weekly support of our little old Energy Matters. And, John, really, that's what we're talking about with sustainability today is is not if but how so how can we go from that's right you know making these buildings do these uh, super things uh, mm-hmm. that they haven't been able to do before and figuring out how to do it in a way that works for the building owner for the for the occupants in the building and for the planet yeah and moving us forward uh you know in terms of our sustainability goals that's right that's exactly right uh, uh, that's what you've been doing uh john i mean you're you're uh, john mcfarland joins us again from working buildings a partner there as i understand uh John and I have known each other a long time, and I've known him to be an expert in the field of uh, commercial uh, building efficiency. So you're doing this commissioning work on existing buildings. I built a building 10, 20 years ago. They told me I had an efficient chiller at that time, or I had an efficient HVAC system, or efficient sensor, or whatever it is. And now you're finding when you go into these buildings, what? Well, these things start to break down over time. I mean, it's no different. But it still runs. Well, right. It's no different than your car. You get your car tuned up periodically. Well, you might maybe not. sometimes. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, back in the olden days <laughs> when the, I had an infernal combustion that's car. Right. Yeah, that's right. Now, right. so yeah, I mean, these yeah. are these are moving parts. These are systems that that start to break down. They get less efficient. Belts start to slip. 
And so they need to get checked on periodically. They need a tune-up. Buildings need a tune-up periodically to make sure they're running as effectively as they can. Your bias, granted, how often would would an average commercial owner want to do a building checkup? I would say every five years. All right, that's not unreasonable. Every five years. Did you budget for that? Right. On top of their regular maintenance that they're doing, they need to check their building and just run through all of the systems, recheck them about every five years. How much efficiency can I pick up? If I do this versus not doing it, why don't I spend money? Spend money to you. You probably well, basically, you're going to probably pick up about five to ten percent each time you do it. Oh, that's a lot of money. It can it can add up. Yeah. So as preventive maintenance is neglected, uh, that uh, that's one area, right. right? That I just don't do the preventive maintenance, and things start breaking or performing in a way that wasn't according to factory standards. Right. Right. So that's one. Right. So but that, then, yeah, that's step one. And step, step two one. is then what you're talking the, about, the commissioning. Yeah, the techno- technology upgrades where I'm actually changing the technology and improving it. No, that's from, step three. That's, that's well, yeah, so, yeah, so you right? start with just, I mean, initially. changing the belt. And this can apply for everybody. I mean, we're talking commercial. This can apply in homes as well. First, look for things that are running that don't need to be running. Turn things off. I mean, you know. I remember as a kid, it was, you know, when not in use, turn off the juice. There was a little sticker on, on, <laughs> on the light switch at every, in every classroom that we turn the light off. Now and we have fancy motion sensors that do it for us, um, which, because they have technology in there, that needs to get checked periodically. And the click 12 for 12, John, that we have talked about on this show that I'm challenging our listening audience to do is that if they will click off 12 incandescent light bulbs, uh, just as they're leaving their house, they will save about twelve dollars a week, uh, overletting overletting those runs. So this is uh, this this click twelve and and turn these things off will save folks money. What else, John? So that's that's step one. Turn turn the things off that you don't need running. Um, step two is then look at how it's running. You know, is is your thermostat set correctly? Is you know, and that's in the office. You know. Many times, building people complain about the temperature in their in their space because it's too cold, it's too hot. Usually, it's too cold is what most people complain about, That's especially right. in the, That's especially right. in the South. Too cold it, in the studio. It's, I can it's tell too you right cold. now. Did we come in from ninety degrees outside and it's seventy four? It's freezing. Yeah, you know, it's freezing. So, right. look at what your set points are and, and and make those appropriate for whatever the activity level in the space. I think schools are a great example of this. Schools set their set points for the teachers. But who's really the audience that we're trying to serve in the schools? It's exactly the kids. Right. What are kids wearing when it's hot outside? Shorts, shorts, and, shorts and, and t-shirts. T-shirts. You know, actually, some some kids are wearing shorts and a t-shirt when it's cold outside because they slipped out of the house with their parents seeing. But, <laughs> but you know, I think what we can really do a good job of is our better job is making our making the buildings serve the end use better. Yeah. So for a home, that would be a programmable thermostat or a Nest, Nest thermostat uh, and, and clicking those things off. Even if you don't have a programmable thermostat, like I do not in the new house that I have, and when I left out, I, I click that thing down, and we just do this you know, religiously because, one, I think about energy all the time, but I think the more folks in our listening audience begin to think about their energy, the more money they're going to save, and that's right. one, no of the reasons, one of the right. reasons that uh, that I recommend the prepay. Uh, you know, John Noel, just this week, I got a mm. call from a constituent. Uh, I, I won't give his name. He's from Athens. And he said, he said, Commissioner, my neighbor is a former SEAL Team 5 member. Good Lord. And he is in a very difficult place. His power's about to be turned off. Uh, he is out begging on the streets every day. He's very discouraged. I want to help my friend. And so I got engaged with this particular a Good Samaritan who called about his buddy. Uh, we wound up analyzing his Georgia Power account. We moved him over to a prepay program, which took all of his deposit and, and paid that. And then I clicked in. Uh, the man doesn't know it, uh, and I'm sure he's not listening to the show. I clicked in $40 myself out of my pocket um, just to establish that account. We know for a fact that people on prepay, because they're getting text messages, they save about 11% on their bill. So this is a way for this gentleman to save money right. on his bill. So anytime we can click these things off because we're thinking about energy, we're going to save 
money. Yeah. That's Not right. knowledge matters. Right. And, and and to knowledge, it's nice to have a report on your building that says, "Oh, by the way, did you know that your various equipment is running at below optimum? It was it was installed to run at 100%. It's actually running at 90%, 80%, 70%. Did you know that? What are some of the wonky stuff you've found that's like that in a commercial building? Well, there's, there's a lot of – get into some buildings, you can find some pretty strange stuff. Sometimes people go too far in turning things off. They'll shut off all the outdoor air dampers in an attempt to save energy, which, yes, it saves – they think it's saving energy, except for they forgot to turn off the exhaust fan. So it's like in your house. You you know, if you keep running the exhaust your, your toilet exhaust fan, your bathroom exhaust fan, you're still bringing in that air. That air's oh, it's sucking. coming in one it's way. It's coming in one way or the other. It's a it's a it's a factor to yeah. the house. You know, so, so people, that's actually a good one. Yeah, so using those sort of exhaust fans is bringing in whatever cold or warm outside air. It's coming into your house. It ain't free that that air is going right, out. Right, and yep. so you just by closing the outdoor outdoor air dampers, you think, oh, I'm going to save energy. Well, not if you don't turn off the exhaust fans. Oh, and that's a good you shouldn't one. turn off the exhaust fans. You shouldn't close the outdoor air dampers because. Because our buildings, as we make our buildings tighter, in which commercial buildings, commercial yeah, buildings, yeah, yeah. and and yeah. and homes as well. I mean, as, as our buildings get tighter, and I'm all about tightening up our buildings, tightening up our homes. Right. But we, then we have to keep in mind that we generate things inside the house that need to get you get moved out. Yeah, Maybe. we're talking to John McFarlane. Uh, you're listening to Energy Matters, John McFarlane. Uh, I know when Jackson EMC did the energy audit for me, they said that I didn't have enough fresh air coming in. That. I mean, it wasn't a critical situation where they, they suggested that right then and there I spend the money to, to change that air ceiling. Uh, but they, they said in the future you're going to need to consider this. As you, as you swap out this HVAC system in the future, let's make sure that you, that you bring in more fresh air. Right. Yeah, as, as, our, as our buildings, as our homes get built tighter and tighter, which is a good thing from an energy perspective, we do need to think about how do we get outdoor air? How do we how do we ventilate that 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 building that home? And so, so it doesn't by, become stagnant or moldy or whatever. Right, right. So in in my home, I've got a, a, a you know an efficient air conditioner, but I have a little six inch duct that goes outside and it comes down and goes right to the return side of my air handler. So I'm always bringing in outdoor air into my home. It's I'm not I'm not pre treating it. That'd be my next step is put in an energy recovery unit to slightly condition it, what? but. Let's, one let's, step. let's talk about this SEER rating that, that these ACs have. I know, you know, when I had an energy audit, they, you know, they gave me the SEER rating and, I, and, and you can go like onto georgiapower.com and other marketplaces and you can buy a higher SEER. Tell us what SEER is and why you need to increase it. So SEER stands for Seasonal Energy Efficiency Ratio. Oh, okay. So, and it, it's a derivative of the the they used to call it EER energy efficiency. So now ratio. they call it SEER. They now okay. they call it SEER because what they did they took the units and they said over a season its efficiency becomes this because it, things vary in terms of how efficient they are based on outside air outdoor conditions. So that's SEER. So the higher the SEER, the more efficient. That means you're going to get more output from that piece of equipment. With every single unit of input. Ooh, let's keep going down this road because everybody's got an air conditioner and nobody understands it. A 15 SEER unit in my house yep. means what? Like, I'm going to put in one input of energy and I'm going to get 15 units of cooling? This was, you could simplify it that way. That's, that's how, oh, I need simplification. So, yeah, yeah, that's why they set up the, the, the number is to help consumers understand that a, 12, a 15 SEER is better than a 12. And a twenty is better than the fifteen. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's like miles per gallon on 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 your vehicle. That's great to know. Yeah. So when you upgrade, uh, you are in, in, increasing the SEER uh, efficiency or the SEER rating, right. and by doing that, you're increasing the efficiency. Correct. Right. right. And so, so you're going to get more cooling out of that that air conditioner for every one kilowatt you put in. Yeah. So, folks. Uh, and in one of the houses that I had when I lived in Winterville, uh, Georgia Power came out, did the energy audit, and said, "Look, your downstairs unit is running too much. Mm. Uh, that is, is that it is costing you money because it's it's cycling on too much. It's it's really lost its uh, its efficiency. You should replace it." And we wound up doing that. The home warranty actually covered that Ooh. on the on the home that we had purchased, and I did bump it up a couple of 
of Sear. I think it went up from 12 to 14 or something like that. But our listeners may be in a situation as their ACs are, are, you know, are running that they're hearing it run all the time. That should be of concern to them, right? It could be. It, if, especially if it's, yeah, if it's, if it's an existing unit, it's probably gotten, it probably gotten less efficient over time, so it's going to run more. Yeah. Well, John, we've been talking to John McFarland. Got two Johns in the studio today, and we're uh, we're talking about a lot of things to help folks save money. I'd like to keep John over yet another segment, then bring a fresh voice in, Neville sure, Anderson, yeah. on our next segment. So stay tuned. You're listening to Energy Matters. Gas South believes in the difference we can all make, like the difference in putting people first and showing that you care. For us, our difference is saving people money with our best rates and no deposit. And the difference we make in our community by taking care of our friends and neighbors and giving back 5% of our profits to help children in need. Learn more about what makes us different at GasSouth.com. GasSouth. The difference is good. Everyone has tough times in their life. By checking the project share box at the bottom of your utility bill, you can make life a little easier for your neighbors. Your $1, 2 or $5 checkoff is matched by the utility and then used by the Salvation Army to help folks having a tough time paying their energy bills. It's that easy. Join PSC Commissioner Tim Eccles and many others by donating via your power bills this year. See more by clicking projectshareinfo.com. And thank you. This episode of Energy Matters is sponsored by Sterling Planet. And welcome back to Energy Matters. I'm Tim Eccles, your host, my co-host, John Noyle, in the studio today. And we've got several guests. You've been listening to John McFarlane the first half of our show. John McFarlane works with a company called Working Buildings, and we've been talking about improving the efficiency of buildings. We're going to bring a new voice in, uh, as well as John McFarlane, Neville Anderson of Rural Green Power LLC. Neville, welcome. Thank you. And you do more than just energy efficiency. You actually teach kids how to run with some efficiency, don't you? We try. We try. We've we've had some success at Athens Academy in our running program. Yeah, I know my daughter was a state champion in the yeah. hurdles, and you were coaching kids over there. So your your work with kids, I know that's really important to you. I mean, you, you love green energy. You love doing solar, but... But it's really working with these young people and helping them become champions uh, and and really reach their potential that's important to you. Why is that the case? Uh, Not just becoming running champions, but also we try to teach running as and everything you learn in running as a way of life. You know, getting along with other people, your competitors, congratulating people, um, whether you win or lose, um, pulling people off the ground. Again, whether you win or lose, there are, there are a lot of lessons in life um, about running and also overcoming yourselves. I mean, when you're tired, you keep going. As I tell them that, you know, they they have to be worthy of their parents and, and be able to, to learn and push themselves, just like their parents do to put um, food on the table. Yeah, so as you are coaching kids, what, do you, what are a couple of the things that you find yourself saying to them all the time? Other than and, don't if, emulate the president. Yeah. Um, well, uh, again, we try to to, to um, teach them just you know be bigger than you are, right? Just, and just because we come from a small place or a small school, we could win big, we could fight big, we could achieve big. And as a matter of fact, so Athens Academy running program is probably one of the premier in the United States now. We have kids competing on the national stage and ranked um, in the top 10 in their prospective events nationally. You know, I, wow. know, I know the school is, is so important to our governor that his, uh, that his wife and children are still here in Athens. They're not living in the governor's mansion. They are they are they are continuing to stay in Athens so that those girls can graduate from that school. It's that important to them. Oh, Governor Kemp is a very gracious guy. His family's gracious. Um, he's even allowed me to take a couple of pictures with him. You know, I've probably spoiled it for him. <laughs> but um, he's a very gracious, and yes, um, he's present at a, at a lot of um, activities. And in fact, when I got National Coach of the Year, um, he was kind enough to the first to send me a note of congratulations. 
Well, wow, our our producer Logan is a big sports guy, and he's sitting here nodding, nodding his head because he follows all things sports, and uh, so we really appreciate your work with young people uh, in the community in the greater Athens area. So let's get into some energy conversation because. Uh, Neville, you have done some large-scale solar projects, and I know that's important to you as you try to get folks in the rural area to see the value. What's been one of the biggest challenges that you've had in getting rural communities to embrace solar? Uh, the education. Um, recently at a zoning meeting, um, we've had someone say, well, the glare of, from the panels will cause airplanes to crash or um, my child is going to climb the fence and get electrocuted, or the components of solar um, will cause a mini nuclear reaction in the soil. And, you know, we've tried to say, no, 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 those, Yikes. we have no idea where you're getting that from, but no. Um, <laughs> uh, quite, in fact, sometimes quite the opposite. Yeah, let me turn to John McFarland. John, I know that NCR uh, has done some solar on their building. I know you worked and commissioned that water system. Uh, So let's first talk about solar and commercial buildings. I am seeing more and more companies that want to do this. Are you getting those requests? Absolutely, yeah. We're seeing more and more looking to the parking decks in particular as a way to cover the top of the parking deck, provide an amenity, make the top of the deck no longer the, the, the part that you don't want to park on. Um, and then from a, from a building occupant perspective, they look down, rather than seeing the top of an ugly parking deck, they're seeing solar panels, and, and that looks nice. And that's one of the challenges, I think, John Noel, is helping people to see this. Uh, yeah. I was uh, at a location uh, the other day, and I knew that the building had solar on it, but I couldn't see it from the parking lot, and no one else could see it. So no one really gets the, the benefit of that education. And I, I often call this this type of solar show solar uh, that that folks can see to right. put it down on the ground. Kind of like they do in front of yeah. schools and yeah. things where they have something out there and you can see it. Yeah, kids understand. exactly. Mm-hmm. Neville, the solar that you're doing, it's mostly ground-mounted in fields, isn't it? That's correct. It, it, it's utility-scale, large-scale, over several hundred to up to a thousand acres. Yeah, and so folks are... Wow. Folks are putting this on maybe former farmland or former timberland or, in some cases, even on a landfill. I was uh, in Savannah recently, and Reed Delaney and the folks uh, down at the Delaney Trust uh, actually put solar— uh, through the Georgia Power Ready program, own a landfill. Uh, how cool is that when you can take a, an old um, kind of a brownfield and do something like oh, that? Oh, that's absolutely cool. I mean, totally repurposing, again, um, old condemned land. And um, and if you put it also on, on stilts, so to speak, you could cover, you know, convert former land that were not buildable into solar fields. And, again, that's an important energy. Brownfields type yeah. thing. I think I've seen some of this landfill up. Uh, thing it's yep. when you fly into Hartsfield you it's can DeKalb see it county the cab county's landfill you see the whole side of one of these things facing the sun yes the solar panels yeah just and, laid them right there yeah and it's actually on a, in, uh, embedded in a tarp it's yeah, actually yeah. It's yeah. Yeah. so you don't have to build the structure yeah. you just, just lay it all down it's just a tarp that was put over the over the top of that john yes. mcfarland we mentioned the ncr building and the solar that they have the water the cistern um, that they collect that tell us a little bit about the commissioning of, of that water runoff system and how they flush the toilets there we've talked about it on the show before but i think it's it's cool enough it's worth talking about yeah, again that's that's a great story because you know water rates in, especially in metro atlanta are some of the highest in the country i think it is the highest yeah. And and so the developer of that project said, you know, that's going to be an issue. And so we, we on that project, they found some groundwater con- or potential groundwater contamination. I mean, it's an urban site. It's going to have stuff. So it's actually a great story where the building is taking water, dewatering from the groundwater, also collecting rainwater, cleaning that water. So they're actually processing that and cleaning that so that it could be released back into the environment. They're getting the chemicals out. But rather than just dumping that back into the water system, they're using that to flush the toilets. They're using that for irrigation. They're using that for the makeup water for the air conditioning system. So as a, as a result, that building is operating without having to use any city water for any of those services. The only city water in that that's being used in that building is for drinking purposes. It's wow. for the it's for the dining facility and drinking purposes. So what would you say their water consumption from had they not done this? How much has it dropped? Well, I would say 
based on the calculations that we did on the project, they're saving about 75% of their total water Holy usage from mackerel. that. Okay. And, and it's just a great story where here, from a sustainability standpoint, not yeah. only have we built a beautiful building that serves a great purpose and it's providing jobs and employment, right. but we're also, that building is cleaning the environment in the process and right. saving the owner money. Yeah. yeah, so to me, this this water-saving technology is something that we do need to look at across the board as we think about future buildings because we do have a water crisis. Right. This is fixing a real problem. We've got a, we've got a lake that's run by the Corps of Army Engineers, Lake Lanier, that provides all of this water for Atlanta, and we've been in legal battles with other states over it. So why wouldn't we want to do something Amen. to save that resource? To me, it's, it's, it is the no-brainer of all times for you know, uh, Atlanta politics. Right. And we're really all of, all of North Georgia, because we all, it all comes from the same, same, the same watershed. So what what Atlanta takes, what Gwinnett County takes, what you know Dahlonega takes, it's all coming from the same. Let me go to Neville Anderson yep. for a second about water, because when we think about we think about a combined cycle gas plant or a, a Which coal sucks plant water. Uh, or sucks a nuclear water. power plant, they're all using water. Sucks water. Yeah. But how but much yours, water? How much water how much, do you suck? Yeah, how much water does that solar <laughs> use? Solar doesn't use water. No water. <laughs> oh, no water. Golly, somebody needs to tell the Public Service Commission this. We need some more solar power. Yeah, solar power. Uh, I mean, you do have to wash those panels from time to time to you, be you have to, to be service. truthful. Yes. Uh, and then if we put pollinator flowers out there, you do have to water those from time to time. But the savings is unbelievable in terms of water, isn't it? That, that's yeah. I mean, the usage is is measurable. I mean, you're not. This is not a great consumption of 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 water usage. Yeah. So how often do you tell your clients to wash those panels? Um, well, there is actually a different growing service industry um, now, and then depending on the climate, depending on um, the location, they might go once a quarter or, or semi-annually. What about the recycling of these panels in the future? I mean, we probably have 20 million panels in the state right now, and if we double what we've got uh, you know, through the Public Service Commission and the power company through a ready program, I anticipate – you know, us maybe having 40 or 50 million panels in 30 years when the technology is old on those. And, I mean, do you think we're going to have cottage industries come up that will recycle those? Or how are we going to – what are we going to do with those? There's the a cottage industry that is developing now. And, again, again the, the retrenching and retraining of the economy. Roughly 95% of the materials on, on panels are recyclable um, from the research that we um, we have done. And there are new companies, um, new purposes coming in. But I, I would say, though, that the panels that Jimmy Carter put on in the White House are still Still there, um, mm-hmm. a long time ago. So, so it looks like the useful life of them are exceeding um, expectation. So, panels will keep working. It's just if you're going to do a new project, you might as well get the very, you know, the, the very efficient panels that are out there. The much more efficient. That's yeah. that's right. Well, we're, we're talking to Neville Anderson of Rural Green Power LLC about solar in rural communities, and John McFarland. Uh, of Working Working Buildings, buildings, LLC, and and talking about uh, commercial buildings in particular and their efficiency. I'm Tim Eccles. My co-host is John Noel. John, let's keep both of these guests over and continue this discussion about energy efficiency and how folks can can save money and save energy and why that even matters. I'm Tim Eccles, and you're listening to Energy Matters. You've heard about Jim Cars on Energy Matters. Made by Polaris in Anaheim, California. These street-legal, small electric vehicles go where golf carts are not allowed. Equipped with seatbelts, headlights, optional doors, and a tag, Jim Cars and Trucks are perfect for shuttles, corporate, or college campus use. In fact, Georgia Tech has over 100 of them. The new generation Gems have many options when selecting the battery type, onboard chargers, and enclosures to suit the climate. Go to GemCarService.com to find out more. That's G-E-M-CarService.com. Hey, it's Commissioner Tim Eccles, host of Energy Matters. I want to tell you about Kevin Rowe and Rowe Insulating Company. If you need insulation anywhere within 60 miles of Athens, Georgia, you need to call 706-795-2854. It's important, isn't it, John? It is the most important thing you can do in your house. It's the low-hanging fruit of everything that we talk about on Energy Matters every single week. That's exactly right. Yeah, call 706-795-2854. That's 706-795-2854. Rowe Insulating Company. Get comfortable. 
Support for Energy Matters comes from Sterling Planet. Sonny and Alden and all the folks at Sterling Planet want to help you meet your environmental and business goals with renewable energy. From understanding RECs, these are renewable energy credits, to a carbon offset plan, to innovative white tags, energy efficiency certificates, they can help you navigate the corporate and green energy world. See more at sterlingplanet.com. They're great folks. So uh, another thing I want to point out, make sure people know, is our Twitter handles. Uh, uh, Tim Eccles, a Twitterer extraordinaire, who Twitter is probably just a little less than the president, uh, is at Tim Eccles, and I am at New Energy Guy. And our uh, our guest today, John McFarland's company, is Working Buildings, but that's Working B L D G S. Yeah, great. And we've got Neville Anderson in the studio with us as well. And Neville runs a company called Rural Green Power LLC. And most importantly, he works with young people and coaching them to be track athletes. You had me at all that work, Neville. That's, yeah. that's really amazing. Um, on that on that warm fuzzy, and, and I got warm and fuzzy from what you're doing, there is another thing that I want to make sure people are aware of, and this is an initiative. John, please expand on it. From the Audubon Society, this is the the bird loving society and the largest in the U.S. They have a program called Lights Out. Tell us about what that is, because you had me at Lights Out. That's <laughs> that you got me on the energy Thanks, side. John. Yeah, this is one of those things where where we can we can we can save money on our own stance and also uh, help birds in their migration paths. So. Uh, the Audubon Society promotes this. Uh, I recently promoted it on LinkedIn on my my my, uh, my page on LinkedIn. Uh, you can get more information from from Audubon.org, but it's called Lights Out, and and it's during the spring and the fall migration period. So that spring is basically from about mid March to the end of May, and the fall is from about mid August to mid November. Turn your lights out. Turn the outdoor lights off from midnight to six a.m. That's it. That's all that they're really saying is is that alone will help the birds as they move through your community. The nighttime sky. The nighttime sky. As they move through your community, your city, your residential. What happens is that with when we have our lights on at night, the birds get distracted and they get confused. And it's not so much that the, the lights themselves kill them or they run into something. They they get they get turned thrown around off their navigation is thrown off right they do they get use turned, the stars is that they, what they, they, they a lot of times they use the stars and the, so they just get turned around and they get tired and they end up they get more susceptible for other predators to to get them you know so mm-hmm. it's really just from midnight to six a.m. it's simple you can put your outdoor lights on motion sensors so they only turn on when somebody is trying to come up on your house. Um, or just turn them off. If, you're, if you've got lights on inside, close your blinds, close your shades um, so that those light, that light doesn't get out to the outside. Driveway lights, porch lights, all right. these kind of things we think about. It's, yeah, especially any kind of lights that are, and lights that might be shining up, turn those off as well. And any, any, the higher up the light, the more. Like more, a dark sky thing. We hear about right. dark sky, and dark, and we ought to take this on another time, Tim. Dark sky is where the light's all coming down out of a light fixture rather Correct. than out. Yeah. yeah, I mean, full disclosure, I, I hate to say this, but I, I you actually. Don't care about birds. No, no. Unbelievable. I, I, I do I care. Knew it. I do care about certain birds. But the, the, I, I do dove hunt, and I do quail hunt, and pheasant hunt. You and, want them to be weak. And, I knew it. And <laughs> I, I hate to say this, but Chick Fil A is my favorite food. Oh, I love Chick Fil A. <laughs> so we should get them as a sponsor. Birds don't fly though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I guess what John, what I want to ask you is, <laughs> is, is being the Audubon guy that you are and everything, uh, do you refrain from eating chicken? Or do you, I actually most of the chicken that I eat is free range chicken. Free range. So I you, like as as so as we say, I like happy chicken. Yeah. Uh, so you you actually go after birds that have been out in the open that have tasted right. freedom. And I then grew you up on a them. farm. They ate worms. They ate critters. Uh, they ate yeah. you know scraps, and they chased it. Look, better. I'm not going to judge you about this. Yeah. I you know I don't think chickens migrate either. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So it's migratory, migratory birds, birds that are kind of the oh, Ivy League right. upper crust yeah, bird yeah, that we. We want to protect We're here. We're protecting the migratory right. birds, right? But but chickens and and kind of the the main street birds, the the birds that are just kind of plain and common. Those are the birds that we're going to to eat. Right, right. I'm yeah. all I'm all for eating those birds. I, I'm working, <laughs> I'm, I want to save the migratory birds. Okay, I like okay. Quail. Enough of this. No, no judgment here on energy matters about what kind of birds you either watch, protect, feed. You, uh, you want to keep the population high so you can shoot them. <laughs> no. I mean, come on. You this, know what? Everybody wins look, here. Look, when I was a boy, my dad gave me a BB gun, and yeah. he said, 
you do not shoot mockingbirds, robins, Amen. brown right. thrashers, bluebirds. Your daddy was right. You you shoot targets or you shoot uh, you shoot predator birds. Uh, you know, like the blue jay. He didn't like the blue jay. So I was a starlings. So the mean birds I was allowed to shoot, but I would actually get a spanking if I shot a robin or a brown thrasher. Uh, God forbid, state bird the of state Georgia. bird of Georgia. Actually, I think you might can go to prison for shooting a bird. <laughs> you probably <laughs> will. <laughs> okay, enough. This is not bird matters. This is energy matters. I'm but it's about Eccles. turning off your lights, uh, and that's and where the frictionless chillers. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Let's talk about right-sizing equipment. So this was interesting. We talked about this earlier, and I uh, love this. You're telling me I'm over, my air conditioner was oversized at my house. You're saying most people's air conditioner is oversized. What is up? So, yeah. Size Your example. You just yeah, cited so, it. So, so I'll give you the example. So I, I renovated my house. I did an addition, put on about 750 square feet. As part of that, yeah, I looked at I did insulation. I re-insulated the attic. I put insulation in the walls. And then I did a load calculation on, on the house as a result of that. The, the air conditioner I had prior to the renovation was a three-ton, three-ton being a, a measure of how much cooling it puts out. Um, quick history on a ton of cooling. Where does that come from? It's a ton of ice. How much cooling it put, puts out when it melts? Holy moly! Really? That's where it comes from. Crazy. When That's you crazy. melt it, when you melt one ton, two thousand pounds of ice, that is how much cooling you get. It's twelve thousand BTUs. All right, per we're hour. not going down that road. It'll be but anyway, but that's really cool. Factoid: If you ever get okay, called on, tri- on 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 Jeopardy, right? Look yeah. on North Campus in my in all of my degrees at the University of Georgia, I never learned that. I, I never learned what a ton of air conditioning that's was. That's what so, it is. One ton and, and of folks, ice. That's why we say you can get continuing education credits <laughs> from listening to Energy Matters. <laughs> you got an invitation back. All right, so anyway, so, three tons. So it was a three-ton unit. I did the load calculation, adding square footage to the house. One and a half tons is what I put in. Holy smokes. So one, you saved money going from a big unit to a little unit, yeah. and your efficiency went up. I bought a 21-seer air conditioner. And you expanded the size of your house. And I expanded the size of the house. So how and do so, you do a load calculation? Well, you, you you basically, and this is something that you'd go to, a homeowner would go to their contractor for, you'd go to an engineer, and they basically, they, they look at all of the building envelope. They they calculate how much heat it's going to get absorbed through the roof, through the walls, how much heat might get lost during the wintertime. And they figure that out. It's it's just, it's a calculation. It does It's not, it's not complicated. Um, but many times... What 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 contractors are afraid of is getting that call that says, "I'm too warm. You didn't give me enough air conditioner." And so they protect themselves by oversizing the systems. And then what do the systems do when then, they're big and they're too big? When they're too big, yeah, exactly right. When they're too big, they turn on and off. They cycle. That I know a lot of people who do, that, that compressor at turns their house. on and off. And every time it turns on and then turns right back off. It's wear and tear on that compressor. But, John, I have had a house where the upstairs unit was too small. And, I mean, I had this thing built to the highest specifications. Uh, this is back when we lived. Uh, John Noel, I, th- I know you think I just move all the time and all around, and it's true. We're like no. <laughs> well, when you got that much money, yeah, I right. mean, I understand. Uh, when you have all those kids, I keep have. I, right. I kept having to expand well, the house every time. Well, that's a issue. I'm not yeah. touching that. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> so, but, but that upstairs was never cool. And and it was because after I had folks come out and take a look at it, I should have been at two and a half tons instead of one and a half tons. Right. Mm. Uh, so and, and so it is an important thing. I mean, how do you keep from making a mistake on this, John McFarlane? Ask your contractor to do a, what's called a manual J calculation. That is a that is an industry standard. Have them do the manual J calculation and provide that to you. And that what that will do is that they'll have to go through the calculations. It's not just going to be, hey, you know, yeah, it's – We'll just we'll toss a three ton. That's we'll toss what they a five do all ton. the time. Yeah, but make them do the manual J. They might charge you for it, but it's going to be worth it because then you're going to know you got the right size unit. So cool. Yeah. So Neville, uh, how about right sizing solar arrays? I mean, uh, you know, That's we've a great we've, we've certainly had folks. I've had folks that have called me and they built their solar array too big on their house. It was feeding too much energy back on the grid, and they weren't getting paid enough for that. And so. You know, they had invested all of this money, and they were complaining about this. Do you see commercial units or utility-scale units that, you know, that have a, a, a size parameter? I mean, does that substation, does the, the grid have any impact on how big you want to big build that? Um, actually, when when you're building, again, to utility-scale, the 
you're working with Georgia Power in in that process, or or with the EMCs in that process. So um, you're you're building out this, the, all the research prior, and that's why it takes so long to do these projects. You're seeing what the lines can handle, what the substations can handle, and then that will impact your design. Yeah. So. If they have to upgrade equipment, then you as a developer might be responsible for that. So in some ways, you want to stay uh, to stay in that sweet spot where you're not having to spend your development money on their equipment. That's true. And you're working with them to, for what makes sense. I mean, so in the entire process, both on the um, um, the grid, the solar development side and also the grid side, um, you're working with them. And, and it's, it's actually a team process. Let me go back to John McFarland just as we wrap up this segment. John McFarland, you have solar thermal on your house. Uh, John Noel, you have solar thermal. I had solar thermal on my Winterville house. Uh, John McFarland, why aren't more people doing solar thermal? I mean, it seems to make sense, but it, it's just not the sexy or popular solar. It's it's definitely more complicated. You've got a, you've got plumbing involved that that adds cost. Um, there's maintenance to it as well. You've got pumps, you know, uh, freeze protection. You've got those issues, um, but it works. I mean, I, you know, I I make about 180 degree water during the summertime off of my solar solar thermal. And John Noel, you've had a good experience with yours oh, as well. That's awesome. I, I I don't think my boiler, t- well, I mean, my hot water heater turns on much. Yeah, and I had a great experience as well. But uh, you know, we just we just can't seem to get folks to do this, whether it's on a dorm or a prison or a poultry processing plant. Folks that use a lot of water, it really makes a lot of sense. Well, we've had in the studio with us John McFarlane of Working Buildings, LLC, and Neville Anderson, uh, who runs Rural Green Power, LLC. I'm Tim Eccles. You can catch me on Twitter at Tim Eccles. John, you're at New Energy Guy. And you're listening to Energy Matters. We hope you have a fantastic weekend because energy does matter. Everyone has tough times in their life. By checking the project share box at the bottom of your utility bill, you can make life a little easier for your neighbors. Your $1, 2 or $5 checkoff is matched by the utility and then used by the Salvation Army to help folks having a tough time paying their energy bills. It's that easy. Join PSC Commissioner Tim Eccles and many others by donating via your power bills this year. See more by clicking projectshareinfo.com. And thank you. Gas South believes in the difference we can all make, like the difference in putting people first and showing that you care. For us, our difference is saving people money with our best rates and no deposit. And the difference we make in our community by taking care of our friends and neighbors and giving back 5% of our profits to help children in need. Learn more about what makes us different at GasSouth.com. GasSouth. The difference is good.